0: Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. Thanks for being here. Thanks for letting me come. And uh, man, I really want us to all understand what we were just celebrating there. As thing, This thing's got my heart emotional right now. I'm looking out at you and I'm like, this is a big deal. The gospel is a big deal. And let's not miss it. Let's not just think rash in the way that seems right to man and yell butt ourselves through life. Man, in all our getting, let's get understanding. Let's not be presumptuous and quick to speak and quick to anger and slow to listen. Let's be slow to speak and slow to anger and real quick to listen to what God's saying through the crucifixion of His Son. Come on, there's an amazing message here, man. It's so much more than you being blessed, making it to the end, surviving, getting a fair break, going to heaven someday. You know, we've sold the gospel as a lot of things, and it's all about a transformed life, a new way of thinking and living, a new reason for being. He gave all that He is, so all that He is can become in us a reality and an expression of truth through our lives. Amen. And uh, I want to talk about it a little bit that song was just tearing me up you guys I guess you knew that was like the best song to sing tonight didn't you <laughs> You guys probably know thanks man I'll just if you don't mind forgive me guys <clears throat> Defeat and death and hell I'm, I'm 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 honest about this we can get in relationship with Jesus in such a way through the person of Holy Spirit that you can Never fear death again and never let your problem be your motive for prayer. Never just live in distress and worry and fear and all of a sudden you understand you've already won through Christ. You can't possibly lose. You're made one with Him. You're going to live forever. Dying's not the issue. You're always going to live. And I know we say, yeah, but we don't want to die. we got family. We've got this. I understand that. But, but death is never the issue. He overcame death. So if what I'm saying is not true, why are we singing these songs? There has to be a truth there. You're never going to die. He's restored everything that He intended from the beginning through the blood and body of His Son. Everything that man lost through sin and listening to another voice was restored through the Son of God. So now it's very important to listen to His voice. And let that other voice... Come on, there's a real strategy against truth from the enemy... The way that seems right to a man has trained us, guys. So much so that we sing a triumphant song like this and how things are going this week could mean so much more than the truth that's forever. And all of a sudden our misperspective causes us to miss the grace, the transformation of life. Next thing you know, we got more questions than answers and we're questioning God instead of becoming more like Him. And all of a sudden we reduce the gospel to Him just taking care of us instead of us taking of Him and becoming more like Him. When I'm telling you guys, he wants to change everything about who we are by the grace of God, without you biting your lip and striving, without you trying to live better. Once you see this thing, it'll make you free. And I just want to talk about it a little bit. It's on my heart. Uh, Just think about what we sang. And... God sent His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. I want you to just think with me. You know how He says take the communion elements, the bread and the cup, and as often as you do it, do it in remembrance? I want you to take this weekend and let it be a contact point of faith. And really this weekend, called Easter, don't let it just be Easter, story of the cross. Really think about what happened and why God would do such a thing and why Jesus would do what He did. And really this weekend, Let it be a contact point of faith so that in all our getting, we do get understanding. You heard your whole life, what you don't know won't hurt you. The Bible says what you don't know is destroying you. Isn't it amazing that you heard what you don't know won't hurt you? And the Bible says it's the complete opposite. Your whole life you heard, don't get your hopes up. And the Bible says, get them sky high. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is the anchor of your soul. Passes through the veil into His presence. Hope, anchor your soul. Pretty good to get your soul anchored. When... <laughs> <laughs> Whoever heard this one, what you see is... You, you all did hear that down here, didn't you? <laughs> it made it all the way down here to Greenville area. What you see is what you get. It's a universal language. It's called the wisdom of man. It's the way that seems right to a man. What you see is what you get. This book, the Word of God, says don't ever live by what you see. It's subject to change. What is unseen is eternal. The total opposite. And yet you were trained by the other. You were trained by to love your life, to live for reputation, to be accepted and not rejected, to strive no matter what the price, to feel accepted and feel like somebody in the sight of men. We were trying to find ourselves from the time time began in our lives. From the time you can remember, it was a rat race of survival. Nobody taught you to be angry. It just came natural. Nobody taught you how to feel hurt and condemned. It just was there, wasn't it? When somebody said something bad, you took it to heart. You either got introverted or angry. You could have been third grade, packing a lunch and getting something out and wearing something and a child across the table said, oh, and made fun of something about your life and two other kids chimed in and laughed and that thing nailed you and you were eight years old. And all of a sudden you're insecure and self-conscious and you're eight years old. Why? Because when man separated himself from God, he lost his identity and he lost his created value and he lost his purpose in life. And every man was born into that lie. It's called Adam. Every man was born into that lie. It's called Adam. Born into Adam. It's Romans 5. Every man that was ever born was born into that lie. And Jesus said, you must be born again. Somehow we turned it into a prayer to go to heaven. Somehow we made it a a thing of blessings and God just getting us more money and making sure we're protected. And if you read this Bible, it's never been about that. It's about you being transformed and restored back to original value and becoming the person you were created to be and intended to be from the beginning before man ever sinned and separated himself from God. So it makes the gospel real clear to me now. It puts a lot of passion in my heart. I'm staying kind of calm for some reason. But I am really excited about this gospel. (laughs) I was staying calm. I feel it changing in me right now. I'm having trouble. I'm going to be okay. Come on, God's not lonely. He doesn't need a friend. He didn't do this because He's lonely and needs a friend and just save a bunch of losers and just say, hey, you guys are awesome when we know we're not. (laughs) The truth is we are awesome in Him and in our created value, destiny, and potential. When that Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, comes into us, changes everything. Without Him you can do nothing. Unless a seed dies and falls to ground, it abides alone. But in him, there's nothing we can accomplish and do. It's amazing. All things are possible with God and all things are possible with those that believe. But I promise you, the number one thing God wants to do is change our perspective on life. I'm convinced it's the number one thing. A high 90 some percent of Christianity is getting your perspective changed and your eye aligned to truth, and it changes everything. Hmm. The gospel wants to take you from seeing people for what they're doing, what they've done and what they haven't done, to seeing them for what they're created for and what's possible and what they look like through the blood and the sight of God. You talk about getting a humble, loving heart. It happens real quick if you get alone with God and say, listen, do in me what you paid for. Do in me what you've desired. I'm not in this thing just to get a fair shake. I'm not in this thing to survive till the end. I'm in this thing to receive what you saw from the beginning and what you paid to accomplish. Put it on me. Give me understanding. I'm getting in here. Do a work in me because I want to live in you. I'm telling you, get alone and start talking like that. Changes everything. You won't have three reasons on your list why you're not where you should be. <laughs> You'll realize none of those three things are Lord, so you won't submit to them and let them govern your life. I understand we're challenged. I understand everybody doesn't always do the right thing. But you to become a product of what they didn't do right is idolatry and it's making Jesus less than them. Jesus is your reason for being, not how your life is going. Amen. Come on, guys. We sold out a long time ago to this lie thing when Adam ate the tree. And we were born into it. But now that we've gotten the truth, now that the Gospel's come, I hear the thing in Hebrews 4 it comes from the Old Testament. Now that God has spoken and we've heard His voice, let's not harden our heart like they did in the wilderness. They missed the whole point in the wilderness, guys. The Bible says that the reason He delivered them from Pharaoh and took them into the wilderness, heading to the Promised Land, that the nations would fear God and know who God was through His people. That has not changed. They made it all about themselves in the wilderness. They were saying, where's the milk and honey? And they were full of complaints and saying it would be better if we were just back where we were. Missed the whole point. And they made it all about themselves. And because they made it all about themselves, they wandered and died and never reached what they were there for. It's intent. God was there. He was providing. He was doing miracles. And they missed the point. Come on. I know people that have gotten healed, seen healings. They've gotten grace. God spoke to them in a the nick of time. They've they got God encounters. But if we miss the point, we'll have these same results. And you let things that don't matter eat your lunch and dictate who you are. All of a sudden, anger fills you. Judgment fills you. Hate fills you. And all of a sudden, you don't look anything like Jesus. Then your face is veiled and you feel like you can't even get near Him because you feel so far from Him. Then you hear the Gospel and you resent it because it doesn't make sense or look like your life. And all this stuff happens to us if we don't understand you know how many people go to church and it's it's taking the place of knowing Him and becoming like Him? I'm not saying that's you. I'm just talking. If it is you, you know it when I say it, so don't let it ever be again. Say, duh, what was I thinking? Don't say, oh man. Don't walk out of here. I got a long way to go. (laughs) No, you got somewhere to go. You got answers in Jesus. Just say, man, what was I thinking? Duh. I'm home. God, thank you for truth. Thank you for light on the trail. Thank you. You see? Come on, why we were yet sinners, he sent his son. He's not mad at us. Who grew up believing God was angry? Be honest. Who grew up believing God was judging you and if you got on the wrong path, he was the one that snapped your ankle? Who, who honestly grew up with that impression? You know why? Because if the enemy can skew our view of God, then we think that's the way God is and then that's how we see everybody else and nobody's ever walking in his image. It's just a skewed view. And all of a sudden, if we think God's mad at people, it's okay for us to be mad at people. And all of a sudden, we're never convicted because it's just the way it is, but it's the way that seems right to man, ruling our lives, and it always produces death. Man, why I was yet a sinner. He said, his son, we 're singing that song about him being crucified and about him defeating death and the earth shaking and him raising, and he just oh, it's just you're trying to hold back and you can't just, oh, and you really don't know what to do, you know i 'm up there and I 'm trying stuff, and nothing's working. <laughs> you were doing it too you're like <laughs> and then you just said, I give in." That's what you did, I watched you. Cause it was getting exciting and you were like That I watched you. That's exactly what you did. <laughs> Who gets that stuff happening? I mean you're singing You just came up front and I could just feel you letting him love you. It was just fun. I just hugged her and said, keep letting him love you. I'll never stop letting him love you. Amen. When you think you're not worthy, that's a sad day. You already shed his blood, people.
1: That's
0: right. You believe in a lie. You believe in your feelings. Don't believe your feelings. You believe those feelings, and then all of a sudden you have a right to feel that way. And all this other stuff justifies, and it all this sets in place. Now you have this language established that justifies where you're at, but it's not changing anything. It's hurting you, and it's hurting others. Come on, if the way you're thinking isn't producing something out of your life, like humility and love and mercy, and it's not Jesus, guys. I'm just being straight. I'm not being mean and I'm not trying to be controlling. If your life isn't producing life, you're on the wrong track of perspective. And you've made this thing all about you. And it is a trapped, lonely, frustrated world when it's all about you. Is you're just a people button away from being something wrong and angry. And here's what you don't realize. Your whole life's being controlled by that lie and you're not in charge at all. Come on, when you cut people off, you think you're winning? Your heart's being dictated by the thing you're cutting off. You're believing the frustration. And it's dictating your life. That's why unforgiveness is so detrimental to us because it keeps offense alive. Forgiveness is amazing because it renders it as if it never happened. Now that's the power of the cross. Right now, the Spirit of God lives inside of me. I'm pumped. That's exciting to me. Come on. He's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He lives in me. You know why? Because He wants to. It's not because I begged Him. It's not because I won His heart. He created me to live in me and when sin evicted him from his home he said I'm going to deal with that problem and I'm moving back in I made a lot of mistakes in between then and when he came in but he looked past them all because he knew if his love could reach my heart I would change and then everything would change and all of a sudden if I don't want to be the man I used to be he'll never see me for that man that man's dead I'm the man I've always been created to be now standing here before you spirit of God's in me and I'm pumped and I don't have secrets and I don't have nothing to hide. And You ain't going to read about me in the paper tomorrow. My conscience is squeaky, crystal clear. <laughs> Makes me feel good. I don't have hate, towards nobody. Judgments, that stuff doesn't even come at me anymore. God has so changed my eye that I don't even fight the stuff that used to be normal. <laughs> yeah, it's called a changed perspective. It's called getting alone with God and letting grace come on your faith and letting Him make you more like Him. But I promise you people, I don't want to wake up and just be blessed by God. I want to live inside of His heart and look through His eyeballs. I want to be one with Him. I want to be everything we sing about. I want it to be my reality, not my song. (laughs) Are you guys with me? Come on, this is possible, but it's up to you. You're the steward of your heart. What you do with a fellow like me? What you do with a fellow like Pastor Roy? Because I know what he shares because I hang out with him and I just love him. The first time I met him, I said, where do you get this stuff? Where do you get it? He's just talking in the car. And I was just listening. And you know, I'm like, you're awesome. He's like, yeah. And I wasn't talking about his turkey calling. <laughs> I was because it really is bad. <laughs> so but it can improve. It can improve. Let me speak life. That wasn't good. Roy, you have hope. We just had fun with that. Patty's holding his arm tight. She's like, honey, I was shaking last night, but I think you can do it. <laughs> no, we just had fun with it. Actually, he does have hope. But he talked to me, and we were driving in the car. And I was just like, "I love you, man. You're really awesome." And I said, "Where do you get all this?" And he said, "Why do you keep asking me that?" I said, "Because you have revelation in your heart." Yes. And I said, I, get, "I travel all over. I'm with tons of leaders. A lot of leaders have hurt and pain and judgments, and when to get alone with them, I'm, I find myself correcting their conversations. Not because I need to correct them, because I love them enough to not let them leave that way when I leave town." <laughs> come on, man, I'm not just enduring you and getting on the plane and going, oh, brother. (laughs) I love you too much to let you hurt yourself with lack of understanding. And if your language isn't producing life, if your language is discouraging you, if your language is making you self-centered, self-conscious, or causing you to see others less than the image of Christ, you're not listening to God. You're being deceived. You're being played. I'm telling you. Come on, man, let's, let's get a grip on why Jesus came. I think of this stuff, guys. I sit on my bed and I think, you didn't just pop into the wilderness, poof, buffed at age 30, ready to roll, anointed. He came through the womb of a woman. Holy Spirit, put it inside of a girl named Mary. Inside her body, guys. God. Nothing was made that wasn't made through him. Holy Spirit stuck him inside a uterus. Ah! He sat there for about nine months and just crock-potted. The Son of God! And he came out on that day born of a woman. From God. That's so intense, it's so ridiculously radical that it makes you have to wonder why. And if you don't understand why, you'll sing to Him from afar and never understand. And love will be a mystery. Why does He love me? Instead of love, change your life forever. See, when you say, why does love, why does He love me? It's because you weigh your value based on your performance, lack of performance, or what's been suggested to you by life. When you say, I can't imagine God would love me, it's because you're identifying yourself through yourself and through life. The reason God loves you is He knows who you are, what you're capable of, your potential, the, the destiny that He's... He knows it all. He's never changed His mind. From the beginning, He knows the truth about us. Love has never failed. He didn't say, boy, you make me mad. Man, you'll never change. If I told you once, I told you a hundred times, I'll tell you, I think I'm done just blessing you. If you read Scripture, He has not said that through His Son. He has said, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what's going on. But they do, and that's why he's hanging there. Oh, you wonder why I'm excited? I'm not just going to church anymore to feel like I'm doing God's service. (laughs) He's inside me, because he wants to be. It's not so I feel fuzzy. It's so who he is and transform me from the inside and express through the outside into the hearts of men. So if I really believe that, you think I'm going to have people issues? If I really believe that, you think what you say that's not positive is going to eat my lunch and I'm going to take it to heart and fall out? Hello? If I really believe the gospel... And maybe it's time to love. Maybe it's time to see you the way he's seen me. Maybe that's where power is. Maybe anybody can have an attitude. Maybe that makes you like the rest. Maybe anybody can cop an opinion. Maybe that's just the world at its finest. But who's ready to look like Jesus? Who's ready to love the world when it looks unlovely? He's ready to believe and pray for your co-worker when he used to get under your skin, but now you got new skin. He didn't change yet, but you did. And instead of praying for God to change him, God's changed you. Now you seem different and you pray different. Now grace is touching his life because you're touching him different. Boy, that sure beats being offended, doesn't it? being self-righteous and going to pray and saying, God, I wish you'd knock him off his high horse and straighten him out. In fact, I thought you loved me. Why do you let him do that to me? That's not prayer. That's a self-centered complaint (laughs) that nobody's listening to but you in the room. (laughs) Doesn't get past the drop ceiling, I promise. (laughs) Just saying... (laughs) Come on, guys. I'm just talking to you on Good Friday. What a song. You guys sang that. You knew that was the song, man. God came through the womb of a woman. God put on flesh. Why? Because He had to come as a man to be the captain of our salvation, fulfill what man failed, fulfill all righteousness, fulfill the law, then die as guilty, even though innocent and by the Spirit of holiness raised from the dead and conquered death for all time. And then those that come to Him humble and repentant by faith receive of His Spirit and receive His life and get restored back to what they were in the first place. What a gospel. Somehow we've preached a lot of the things on this planet. We made it, you got to serve God. He paid a debt for you. You need to give him everything. And people are under pressure, feeling like they're failing. Sincere people are feeling like they're failing. He doesn't want you to work for him. He didn't hire you, he came inside of you so you could be one with him and take on his image, his spirit, and his love. He doesn't want you to work for him, he wants you to become like him when you become like him you'll have great influence in others and you'll touch and plant seeds and you'll water and God will bring increase you go to work and it'll just be different and it won't be your chore your duty the grindstone it'll be an honor because there's people there and you can shine and you're not even trying to evangelize you're just changed And after a while, it speaks. And they knew you six months ago, and they remember the way you were. But six months down the road, they start forgetting six months ago because they can't get away from what's right in front of them. Then a year from now, they don't even remember six months ago because you're changed. You follow me? Come on, this is Christian living. Here's what he did, guys, real simple and plain. I'm just nutshelling this thing without getting deep and theological. He became what we were by dying on that cross. Every sin was broken or every curse was broken and sin was destroyed and death was defeated and every curse was broken. Do you remember singing that tonight? What happened? Jesus was made to be sin and died as guilty, gave his life. No one took it. And yet he was completely innocent. All He ever did was good. All He ever did was right. He got judged for doing wrong. And all He ever did was right. When you got judged for doing wrong and you were right, freaked you out. Come on, get real with me. When you were totally innocent and looked at as guilty, freaked you out. Go out of your way to vindicate and justify yourself. True? It's because we were living for our own identity and ourselves. And that thing hit us so hard when we knew people thought less of us, it was wrecking us inside. You don't realize how that survival thing kicks up like a cat in the corner. I never said that. That isn't what I meant. I can't believe you think I meant that. I was trying to help. (laughs) Come on. Like, no, you weren't. I know how you are. You're just drawing attention to yourself. What do you mean? Come on, anybody ever bump into that scenario? In anyone? (laughs) Jesus never did one thing even slightly wrong. Everything he did was perfect and pure in love. All he did was come to heal and restore, open prison doors, and set the bound free. Preached truth, liberty, and freedom. All he did was come to love. Did a good job of it. When they called him a blasphemer, he kept speaking truth with confidence. When they called him a demon possessed Samaritan, he just kept on healing. When they judged him to death, he went ahead and died. He didn't disappear. He didn't beam to the Father. He didn't smote Him with holy fire. He just went ahead and died. Why? So the life we were created to live could be restored and we could live forever in Him. This thing is not about going to heaven. Please don't make it about going to heaven. It's heaven coming back into you and you being restored to truth. The love and nature of God coming into you and overtaking the fall of man. And everything life taught you to be getting trumped by the life that now is. You follow me? So you got to start saying goodbye to the way it was. You challenge it every time the yell butt hits your mind. There is no yell butt. Somebody's treating you wrong, and you're getting, and somebody says, listen, man, you you need to walk this out and keep your heart protected. Yeah, I'm heart protected. They need to, and I'm nobody's doormat. You better watch that. Who taught you to talk that way? Wasn't Jesus. Did you ever hear that in his mouth? Did you ever see him in the gospel, that song we sang? Did we have any paragraph in there where he got a little shaky for a while and dropped the cross and reasoned with God and said, I don't think I want to do this for them. They're a bunch of stiff-necks. If they didn't change by now, I'm not sure they're going to change. You know I healed everybody and now they're telling me they want to kill me? they released Barabbas. What an insult. Barabbas, are you kidding me? He helped no one. I helped everyone. They want to let him go and kill me. These people are perverted, Lord. Reasoning Make a great talk show. <laughs> victim villains. He's not a victim villain mentality. He's, a, I love you, you're more than that, and if I can change your mind, I'll change your life. <laughs> That's our Jesus. What a God, huh? So... What did God do when He put His Son on the cross? He made Him to be sin. Sin is what was killing us. Sin is what was separating us from God. Sin is what was living our lives and driving us. Jesus was made to be sin so we could become right in the sight of God. So he who knew no sin was made to be sin, so we could be right in the sight of God. God cursed sin in the flesh. Sin shall have no dominion over us. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. So he tells us in Romans 6 that even as he died to sin once for all, and now the life he lives, he lives to God, you likewise reckon yourselves dead indeed to sin. And alive unto God in Christ Jesus. I was never taught that my whole life in a church, ever. I found it in my Bible, and Holy Spirit illuminated my heart, and I was like, duh. Because you know what? When I got saved, I was very blessed. I never felt guilty, never felt condemned. When I got saved, I felt changed. I knew God changed my life. I used to walk in my bedroom excited and silly, and I'd say, I'm never going to be the same. You changed my life forever. I'd say, my days of frustration and anger and, and bitterness are over. You changed me. You, you gave me new life. I would read my Bible and go, this is transformation. This isn't bringing Jesus into my life. He's become my life. Yeah. And here I am 20 years later, so I'm either way deceived and I need you to help me out of this thing (laughs) or I'm on to something. This is 20 years later, guys, not 20 months. The zeal in my heart isn't 20 months old waiting to dwindle or find balance. (laughs) It's 20 years old. And he's amazing, and this thing's true, because I live with my own heart, my own conscience, and my own life. I live with me. I slept with me last night. It was awesome. Just clean, just laying there clean in the bed, just clean. Not because I took a shower, because I'm in Christ. I did take a shower. I did. I didn't sleep in that bed without a shower, Miss Pat. I was laying there clean. I, I, I like who I've become. I have no trouble looking in the mirror, not because I'm vain and arrogant. So my conscience is clear. and My heart doesn't condemn me, and I know why I'm alive. And it powers me to love you and think the best of you and believe for you no matter what. Look you in the eyes and tell you it can be better and it can be different, and there's more than hope for you. Look you in the eyes and tell you you're not condemned. That's a lie from hell. Jesus' blood is speaking. He just needs your cooperation. He needs you to repent, change the way you think. Let go of that hard thing. Let go of that tough edge. And humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so he can lift you up and make you what you're created to be. This is simple Christianity, guys. You preach a lot of things here tonight. This is what on my heart through this song. What did he accomplish? What's Good Friday all about? Why would God put on flesh and die? Because he wanted to bring the truth back out in us, get it back in us, and show us who we really are. Come on, he thinks, Judd, you're worth dying for, man. He thinks his bloodshed and his life given is worth yours lived. And you get that now, don't you? Yeah, you sure do. (laughs) Just have a conversation with him. He gets it. (laughs) It's just good. You know, I I fly a lot, so I sit on planes with people. They seatbelt beside me and say, how are you doing today? (laughs) If if, if you're just being rhetorical, you're in trouble. (laughs) If if you're just being cordial, you made a big mistake. (laughs) So, man, how are you today? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that. Man, I wanted to tell you. (laughs) Two hours later. (laughs) You You know how many times those conversations end in tears? God reality or words of knowledge or somebody healed. It's remarkable how he loves people. Person sitting there and they don't have a clue. That doesn't make them evil. It just makes them not have a clue. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're Sitting there with an attitude, but they don't even know why. They can't put their finger on it. It's just normal because that's the way they were taught. Sitting there, angry at the church, haven't been to church for 10 years because of the pastor or because of somebody in the congregation. Letting that person decide who they are for the next 10 years. Robbing them from intimacy with Jesus letting church attendance define Christianity instead of relationship with Him. And now they're mad at a church member, so they haven't gone to church for 10 years, being totally wiped out and deceived by offense. And and they'll sit beside me. That story's so common. They'll sit beside me, and God has nothing but love for them. And they're crying. Those folks that are living that way, they're crying in 10 minutes. I'm telling you, 90-some percent of them are. Because it's just fun how God loves on them and talks to them, and they can't take it. They just fall apart. Several times, one time for sure, extremely, but several times I've had flight attendants ask if the people beside me need to move their seat because they think I'm bothering them. Because they're crying. And I'm talking to them, and I'm talking to them, and they see me talking, and they're crying. And they come and say, excuse me, ma'am, do I need to move your seat? And then they look at me. I'm like, honey, do I need to move your sheet?
1: <laughs>
0: and I'm just sitting there. This <laughs> one lady cried so hard so many times that the, f- the flight attendant came back the second time and said, That's it, I'm moving you, honey. <laughs> And she hooked my arm, laid her head against my shoulder, and said, I'm not moving. He's helping me. <laughs> you want that on an airplane when you're flying. Instead, I wonder if my flight's going to be on time. God, where's your mercy? Why did I get delayed? What did I do wrong to deserve this? And making it all about God for you instead of God through you. Yes. True that sounds like it hit some folks. You're like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> Come on, you can get all hung up. Just God for you. God for you. Praying your way through your day. Be careful with that stuff. Because then you end up only at the end of the day as good as things panned out instead of as good as He is in you and through you. Then it's fun not to worry about whether you're getting home on time. It's good to get home. And I'll tell you what, there's a person beside you. And if they're asking you how you're doing, it'd be good if you could answer them sincerely and tell them amazing. He mm-hmm. said, well, I'd be doing better if we didn't have that mechanical problem. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus shed all that blood for you to have issues over a mechanical problem. <laughs> We're probably missing the point. <laughs> I gave my seat to a lady one time in Detroit. She was falling apart because she couldn't get on the plane. I mean, she was trembling, and it was it was overboard, but she probably never flew. It was it was unnecessary, but to her it was real. I didn't minister to her. I didn't preach to her. I just slipped up to the gate agent, and I said, hon, I said, that, that lady's not handling this well. She said, tell me, because the lady was freaking out on her. And I said, I want you to give her my seat. Just switch out. Just give her my seat, and I'll just take her place. Sounds familiar.
1: Doesn't
0: that sound familiar? And she said, excuse me? I said, I want you to give her my ticket. She said, sir, you're checked in. You you have a paid-for seat. You have a seat. I said, I understand that, but she doesn't. She's not handling it. Well, I'll be fine. Get her on the plane. Give her my seat. She said, sir, no one gives their seat. I said, I know that's a problem. So it's amazing how we all think for ourselves. I said, help her out. Don't tell her I did it. Just get her on the plane. I'm not doing it to preach to her. I'm just helping her. Don't tell her. Just put her on the plane. So She did. And the lady snatched the boarding pass out of her hand and said, good, because I need to get on that plane. And she shot on by. She said, that man gave you his seat. <laughs> she, she, she just couldn't take it. The flight, the gate agent, she just had to tell her. She was like, that man gave you his seat. <laughs> and she's like, just went right on the plane. And I'm sitting there laughing. I'm thinking, because oh. I didn't do it. To get her attention, I did it to help her. I didn't do it so I could preach to her. I told the lady not to even tell her. I didn't even tell the lady I was doing it because of the love of God. I just told her I just wanted to help the lady. Delta came to me and said, Ah. Uh, here we need you to read this and sign this. We're sorry about the oversale. They didn't know I switched my seats. So the agent that came from Delta just figured I was the one oversold. And they handed me a check and I looked and it was $866. I said, "What's this?" He said, "200% of your ticket value. It's it's a check we owe you for overselling you. It's the gamble we take when we oversell. It's a federal law we have to pay 200% of the ticket price." And I said, "I didn't know that." <laughs> So I'm trying to be nice and give the lady my seat, and I made 866 bucks and hung out for two and a half hours and took the next flight. <laughs> Plus they gave me a meal voucher, so I went down to state a meal on the airline, had 866 dollars in my pocket. A lady was blessed, my heart was happy. life in God is good. Come <laughs> hmm. <laughs> <Trim> on. <laughs> <laughs> there was a young boy, I mean twenty years old, he was in the oversell. They had an image check for a thousand and sixty dollars. It's the max they can pay, because he was flying out in the morning. So if you're inconvenienced more than four hours, you get a thousand and sixty dollars. It's the law. He said, Why are they giving us these checks? I said, Man, I didn't get it either. I said, It's it's a federal law. It's they're gambling, they're trying to get make sure they play in percentages and they're trying to make sure every seat's filled and paid for. And they oversell thinking people aren't going to show or people are going to miss connections, and they play the percentages, but it's a gamble. And if it doesn't work, they got to pay because they inconvenience the customers. And he said, You mean I got a hotel voucher, a meal voucher, and a thousand sixty dollars because I'm oversold? I said, That's what just happened. He's like, Man, I want to fly all the time and get oversold. <laughs> That's what he said. And you know, you twenty-year-olds, you know, computer savvy. I figured this guy's going to figure out something. How to somehow to get in the mix of oversell? There's probably a way to break the code and just buy tickets every week. You say, you know, he's driving up in a nice car. You know, he's dressed. What do you do for a living, young man? I get oversold. I'm seventy-five, you know, grand a year. What? what? Yeah, yeah. I book about seventy-five flights a year. <laughs> it was just hilarious. But you know, it, it, it just blessed my heart. I went and I sat in a little place and got a little meal. and I thought, Lord, you're so good. It's, it's good to not think for yourself. It's, just, it's the most freeing place. Bear with me. To not think for yourself. Think how liberating that is. Come on, be real with me. Challenge your heart right now. To not to learn to not think for yourself. That's so liberating. No concern, no anxiety, no fear. The well-being of others, the interest of others. Whoa! How you can lay down your life, bless, serve, help, encourage. You see what it would do. Wonder if we just wake up that way at large. Would that be amazing or what? People say, well, I don't want people to take advantage of me. How can they take advantage of love? How can you take advantage of sincerity? You say, well, they're just using you. That's the world talking to get you to stop loving so they never are convicted and then nothing ever changes. wonder if they are using you and one day they realize they're using you and knew they were using you and realize that you're innocently just helping them and not even faced, And you're just pouring out and all of a sudden their heart smokes them and they go, I've been using you for the last two years. I've overcome. I ever... Listen, I love you. How do I get Jesus? That would probably be a good result. <laughs> You think that might be the point? <clears throat> you just be careful who you get wisdom from and who you talk to in this day and age, okay? I'm serious. If you got pain in your heart, don't talk to people with pain. It's not going to help you. First talk to Jesus, and then make sure you talk to somebody you know's free. If you've got pain in your heart, it's amazing how you'll gravitate to people that understand why you're hurt. And then they'll support you in what's not God. And after you're done talking, you're sure you're right because they're right because you're right, and yet everything's wrong. Are you guys with me? Come on, Jesus did not shed His blood, so our names are in the book of life and one day we're in heaven when we die. Jesus said His blood to restore the truth and get His Spirit back inside of us so His love and His nature could fill the earth. You guys with me? I want you to see this. Okay. Go to Romans 6 with me real quick. I'm not going to be real long with you guys tonight. It's just good Friday service. I just want to cheer you on. It fascinates me that God came in the flesh. It fascinates me that Jesus did nothing wrong and died as guilty. It fascinates me that He didn't say a word. That He told me to deny myself, pick up my cross and follow Him. Not sing to Him, pray to Him when things are tight and hope He blesses me and take me to heaven. He told me to follow Him. That means He modeled a life that I was created for. That means He showed me the truth because He is the truth. Holy Spirit's the Spirit of truth. So Jesus came, fulfilled what man failed, showed us what life looks like in the Father, and then said, jump on in and follow me, boys and girls. Isn't that amazing? He said, let us make man in our image, and in the likeness and image of God he made man, both male and female, he made them, and he blessed them. Women, you, you're not a step below man. That, there's a lot of stuff in the church that's misunderstood. Your created value is the same as mine. My created value is the image of God. Your created value is the image of God. Yay! So woman apart from any man has the same created value as any man apart from any woman, the image of God. Our goal is the image of God. That's why we're on the planet. Come on. Let us make man in our image. So if you believe God made man, then the reason God made man is for his image. So if we're living for something less than his image, we're not living for why he made us. Why do we expect grace on what's not Him? It's like putting metal in the microwave. It wasn't made for that. It's like living for yourself. You weren't made for that. You're made for His image. If any man come after me, let him deny Him. Why? You were never made for you. You're made for His image. Come on, this is so simple. We're beholding it as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and being transformed into that same image even by the Spirit of the Lord. Right? From glory to glory to the the same image. Right? It says, put off the old man in his deeds in Colossians 3. Put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So we're putting off everything we were before Christ, every way that made us tick, every rationale, every reasoning, renewed in the spirit of our mind, not conformed to the world, transformed by a different mind, stepping out of darkness into the light. Come on, it's Christianity. We're putting off the old. It's not just the old sin we committed. It's the way we thought, the things we were motivated by, what drove us, our reason for being. It's all dying in Christ so we can truly live in Him. Come on, that's why we get water baptized. Everything you ever were, thought, and felt, and was touched by and touched dies in the likeness of His death so you can raise in the newness of life. Come on, it's the gospel. Ah, it's so exciting to me. See, when I was twenty, I didn't want to go to church anymore. Was it just church? Yeah, I don't want to go to church. Mom, get me up in the morning. I'm fourteen. Dan, time to go to church. And I'm like, huh? I'm never asleep at that time in the morning. I was always up early and going on a Sunday. I don't want to. Get I feel like I want to sleep in, Get up! You're going to church. I didn't want to go. I didn't get it. I mean, I just, Jesus died on the cross because I'm a sinner, and you ought to serve Him. And it was this big obligation. Pay Him back. He did. I couldn't understand why He died for me. I felt like a perpetual failure. There was a lot of things in my heart that I couldn't comprehend why He would care to die for me. Nobody told me he died to change me from the inside, that he died to restore image and destiny and purpose to come and live inside and make me one with him and love me and love through me. It was just died on the cross because I'm a sinner. No, he died because I was lost and he wanted to restore that which was lost. Yeah, that's right. He didn't die because I'm a sinner. He had to die because I sinned, but he died to restore what I was created to be and get the truth back into me. Come on, he didn't die because I was a low life. He died because I had great value in his purpose.
1: Yeah.
0: When you don't pay anything for something that doesn't have value to you, I know us, we're bargain hunters, we're two-for-one sales stuff. (laughs) You don't write the check unless you're sure what you're getting is worth the price. And when you write the check, you're sure you're getting a better value than you're writing. Be real. The blood of Jesus is all about our value and potential and destiny. It's not about our sin and our ability to fail. It's about changing your identity and saying, hey, this is who you were apart from me, but this is who you are in me. So die to the old and live to the new. Guys, I don't want to bring one attitude from yesterday into my new life. I don't want to bring one perspective. I want to study, show myself, approved, let the Spirit of God teach me and give me understanding. I don't want to sell him cheap and follow the children of Israel into the wilderness. I want to follow Jesus into victory. You guys with me? Come on. You you can either say yes to what I'm saying or say I'll think about it or I don't want that. That's your privilege. But I'm telling you it's the truth that makes you free. I've never seen anyone in my life truly blessed that's living for themselves. Angry, frustrated, yelling at the ones that love them and they believe they love, mean, trying to get their way, manipulative, all kinds of stuff. Even if it's not aggressive and outward, it's there inward, manipulative, and even if it's subtle, it's still the same. And all of a sudden you got reason, well, they don't like me, well, they just make me mad. They're not Lord! Why are they dictating your life? you got your eyes on the wrong thing. Stop it! Come on. You don't know what I've been going through. I'm talking about what he's been through. That's the real you. You don't know what it was like growing up. You're 35. Stop it. (laughs) You say, Dan, that's insensitive because you don't know what I've been through. Well, you don't know what I've been through. Why do we always have to hash that out? We always say it's about heaven on earth and we always want to talk about the hell we've been through. And if we all have to tell our stories to understand, then all we're going to do is find out who's been through the most hell. And then what? Sympathize? I don't know. There's no help there. Look, it's been tough for most of us. Yes, people did us wrong. Yes, the people that said they loved us didn't prove it. But He did so, why do you let all that matter more than what he did? And why don't you let all that what was said matter more than what he said? Why don't we shift this thing and let it matter more what he's done and said and let that define who we are instead of all this other stuff and be pottered and fashioned and run by devils and believe in lies?
1: Because
0: I'm telling you, if your heart motive isn't producing life, you are under the press of deception and you've made it all about yourself and you probably don't even like yourself. <laughs> See, that was me. I needed you to like me to prove I was likable because I didn't like me at all. So I acted confident and I acted surface this and that, and like I had it all together and I was full of pride and there was nothing in my heart that I was proud of. But if I could impress you, I would live in that thing. If I could give you a piece of my mind, I felt like I accomplished something. If I could get you to agree with me, boy, that made me something. Come on, we lived that way, guys. It's just, it's not even survival, it's pitiful. It's buying time or wasting it, even though he can redeem it if we change. What I'm saying by wasting it is there's a better way. You don't have to let one day be robbed by the way it used to be. Look, it doesn't matter if my dad was an alcoholic and never said I love you. It doesn't matter if mom was sick my whole life. It doesn't matter if I grew up in a city in poverty and had to fight my way through teenage years. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It matters that he came and my heart's been illuminated. He lives inside of me. He's forgiven everything that ever was. And I have new hope, new future, new life, a new way of thinking. That's what matters. If I'm trying to drink out of a dry cup, of course I'm thirsty. If I drink from a well that never runs dry, I am satisfied and never thirst again. If I'm trying to find my identity through you, I'm only as strong as you see me. If I find my identity through him, I'm firmly planted on a rock that will never move. I'm this emphatic about this gospel. You can't possibly know who you are unless you submit to Jesus because nothing was made that wasn't made through him. Remember the microwave and the metal thing? Read the manufacturer's handbook, guys. Metal doesn't go in there or it's a nasty reaction. Did you ever do it by accident? Did you have foil on the plate or a fork or something? You hit the the shut-off button or pop the door open. I popped the door open when it happened to me. It was like... I hit the door and the door flew open. I went... It was freaky, man. It was like... Well, look, if you read the manufacturer's handbook, men weren't made for themselves. It just totally destructive to the product. Devastating. Read the the handbook. So if any man, that means we're all invited. If any man come after me, let him deny himself. It's not some rigid bite your lip works thing. It's you humbly, sincerely saying in the presence of the Lord when nobody's looking, I was never made for me. I've been trying to drive the car on my own without any help. I've been, God, I was made for you, for your image. You're ready to put everything that you are in me. To shine that through me, you always made me to be one with you. And no matter what happened to man, you never changed your mind. So you put your son on the cross to restore that. That's how much you love me and look forward to that union, that fellowship, and that purpose fulfilled. That's amazing. You never wrote me off. I've always been wrote in. And you paid the extreme price to prove it, and your love never failed. Now I get it, God. Why wouldn't I want this? Here I am, Lord. All of you filling all of me. One plus one is a stronger one. Thank you for your spirit. I welcome you. That's Christianity. You release your faith in that truth, grace comes and make that truth your reality. And all of a sudden, you're not trying to like people. You're seeing them for who they really are. Because once you get a clear view of you, you'll get a clear view of them and you'll love your neighbor as yourself. If you see yourself bad, you'll see what's wrong with everybody else. The eye you look through determines what you see. And if you never get a healthy view of how God sees you, how can you see others clear? People that believe they're not forgiven, people that are fault-finding and nitpicky with their own life and living under self-condemnation, of course they'll see what's wrong in everybody else takes the pressure off of them. They're not the only egg in the basket or something. I don't know what you'd say down here in South Carolina. That's not one, huh? <laughs> but you got it. takes the pressure off of you. You're not the only one with issues, so you notice the issues in others because you fault finding yourself. You have your own condemnations, so all of a sudden you live in a condemning way towards everybody else. Come on, that's lifeless. That's not why Jesus shed his blood as he shed his blood to put his heart in us and his ways and his life and his nature. Is that me clunking? I think it's on there good. Did I turn you to Romans 6? I'm not even sure why. Why? Other than it's an amazing chapter. (laughs) I was trying to go somewhere else and I thought three times I heard Romans say, well, actually twice real strong. So I turned there. I guess we'll read it and it'll make sense, huh? Yeah. I'll close with this. We're just going to pray for some folks. If you got anything out of tonight. No, I say if you got anything out of tonight. Thank you. Thank you for your encouragement, Mom. I appreciate it. But if if you get anything out of tonight. Just get this. That Jesus paid a price. To change our lives. Not just accept us. And put who he is inside of who we are so that who He is can be made known through our lives. Are you following me? I promise you it's not just about praying for blessings. It's not just about God making your day go better. It's not just praying contentment over your circumstances. Come on, guys, if that's your motive in prayer, then every little ruffle has you shook and you're wondering what you're doing wrong and you're always self-conscious and your day's defining you instead of the one in you defining your day. Come on, this is simple. So I'm going to read Romans 6 and I want you to do something tonight. I want you from your heart Follow me on this, Roy. We can talk about it later. I I believe this. We never really talked about this. I believe people that struggle with forgiving and seeing the best in people have never truly opened up their heart to receive the joy of forgiveness and how God sees them. If you fight with God loving you, of course you'll fight with love and loving others. If 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 your heart sees God's first love you will respond in loving him I did nothing right Bob nothing I was getting it all wrong and he came and said I know who you are and I love you son And he snatched me out of darkness. But I went to work one night. I had my eyes on a girl eight years younger than me. My wife was three years, nine months older than me. That was cool when I was 19. Now it's not working 13 years later because of people stuff, just me and mad and stuff. And now I'm thinking, whatever, who needs her? You hear how self-serving that is? It's amazing what we do to each other. I'm right in the middle of that, man. I'm right in the center of that. And I go to work. I'm not thinking Jesus. I'm thinking something else. And it would have been a tragic way to go, man. I actually wasn't that naive. I I remember looking in the mirror when I was 33 and I knew my marriage wasn't happening. And I looked in the mirror and I looked right in my eyes and I said it, I said... I said, Chin up, man. You're not the best looking cat on the planet, but somebody will fall for you. There's somebody out there that will need you that's vulnerable enough to want to be with you. I actually realized why a lot of people were together they were drawing from one another instead of loving one another. That's why our hearts are so broken by one another. Because I love you really means I need you. I love you is just an emotional expression of you saying, please keep filling my void. And the day you don't fill the void is the day they're shattered or angry or broken or let down or hurt. And then you let that wreck you all the more and then you become even more guarded. And then you carry that into your next relationship and your next friendship. And and unless that lie breaks, that thing is really not cool. I go to work one day and I am not thinking Jesus, and I am lost. (laughs) And He comes to me in my mind and says, you don't even know if God's really real. And I'm like, whatever. Really? I'm like, why am I thinking God about God? And I tried to keep working. It came right back. You don't even know if God's real. He didn't come and say, hey, you're living in sin. Hey, you shouldn't be thinking about that girl. Hey, you need to get a grip on your marriage. You know what God's thing with me was? Here's how I hear it today. Man, I wish you knew me. It would change everything. He was really saying, I wish you knew me. It would change everything. I went to church till I was 20. 20. I decided I was old enough and married now. I didn't have to honor mom anymore. So I didn't go anymore. And a couple years in, I went for two years to keep my wife happy because we live shallow, you know. She's like, at least he's going to church. didn't matter if I had her crying before we got home. I would. most. most we lived, This is not a joke. We lived two blocks from church. We should have walked. We drove. And I was so mad that she expected me to go I felt like I took it out on her subconsciously I had her crying a lot of times just arguing and whatever in two blocks coming from church pulling in the driveway crying and I'm getting out of the car storming in in silent treatment from church it's pretty heavy that's yucky who's ever been blessed in that realm she <laughs> say well she's wrong I'm right oh how's that working so you're right. Yay. <laughs> you say, well, I gave him a piece of my mind. I hope you didn't give too much. <laughs> it's amazing what we draw identity from. You don't even know if God is really real. And in my heart, I got wrecked inside. I, I, it was God. He was coming to save me. Guys, I didn't do one thing right. But He created me for Him. And His love never fails and it was pursuing me. Now come on, if He loved me that way, it says, ought we not love one another that way? It says, he who hates his brother is in darkness till now. He who loves has no cause to stumble because of him. His love is perfected in this, that in the day of judgment we have boldness. Because as He is, so are we in this world. What's He talking about? He is love, the whole chapter. We've become love. And when He comes, we have boldness because He finds His heart in us and His ways. Just beloved, let us love one another. Why? Because God is love. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He who loveth not just doesn't know God. He's telling us that the barometer and measuring stick of our God relationship and revelation is our love. He's saying if you don't love, you don't know Him. It doesn't say you didn't need your, don't see your need for a Savior. It doesn't say you don't go to church. It doesn't say you don't pastor. He says if you don't love, there's only one reason. You don't know Him because you can't know Him and not become love. That's what it says. The barometer of knowing Him is your love for one another. Not your anger, not your backbite, not your gossip, not your judgment, not your opinion. Well, I think she just, I don't know, she just gets under my skin a little. See, the point is not praying for her to change. The point is getting new skin. Yeah. Amen. Come on. The measuring stick of knowing Him is your love. So what did He say to me? You don't even know if God is really... So what was He doing? He was coming to shake my heart with the intent of making me to become love. Not heal my marriage not take me to heaven someday, not just forgive my sins. His goal is to make me love. Because if I get to know Him, guess what? I become love. <sighs> so I began to cry and I said, my heart is empty. I don't even know you. I don't even know if you're... I'm talking to the ceiling. I look like I needed a sedative and 911 and a straitjacket. <laughs> I was at work. And I'm in the aisle, and I'm going, "I'm talking to the metal rafters, and I'm bawling. You don't cry at work in the warehouse with your buddies that you work with for 13 years. You say four curse words to say five English. You're just one of the guys. You, you, the power goes out, and we run to all the main slots in the food warehouse and eat all the good stuff. I did it for 13 years. It's terrible. You'd smell crab meat all through the meat room on a power outage. Everybody go and just crank open the crab meat and just gorge. You can smell it all over your hands and face. You know, it's like, were you guys in the crab meat? No. <laughs> it's just a mess, man. Just living at someone's expense. Just living at someone's expense. Guess what love is? Laying down your life for others. And guess what we do? We're born into living at each other's expense. Do you see how perverted that is? We're trained that God's mad at us and He's watching us with judgment. And the truth is He loves us and He's full of grace. Not so you sin and stay the same, so you're transformed forever. So I cried to God and I said, I don't even know if you're real. I said, my heart is a mess. I'm so angry. I'm so selfish. I'm a hypocrite. My life is pitiful and I'm bawling. And after I cried for a while, I said, But if you're real, that was my prayer, but if you're real and you love me and can forgive me of all these things that I saw in my heart. I lifted my hands. Nobody was around. I lifted my hands to those metal rafters just thinking somebody might be out there. And I said, I will live for you. I didn't know what I meant, but I knew I was serious. I didn't know the extent of that. I just knew I was ready to... I didn't want to wake up another day and live what I saw inside of me. For the first time, I got real with me and stopped blaming you. You get it? And I didn't want to wake up another day with what I saw inside of my heart. And I cried out and I raised my hands. And I said, I will live for you. And heaven came over me. I pulled my hair. I jumped. I screamed. I ran. now I need two sedatives. (laughs) And all I kept saying is, you're so real. You're real. You're really, really real. I ran home. I opened my Bible. I found a Bible. I had to look for it. But I found one at home and I opened up in my bedroom. It was one of those amazing times that you know how people try to, I don't do that. I opened my Bible, and guess where it was? 1 Corinthians 13. And when I looked down, my eyes went right on one line. If you have not love, you have nothing. And I realized in my heart, if I don't pursue Him to become love, I've missed the whole point. That quick, I had that revelation in about several hours of being saved. And I said, if it's not about love, I've missed the whole point. And I'll just do church again. And crying, I held my Bible. And I said, I know you're in this book. I know I can find you here. I need to know who you are. You've got to show me who you are. I'm not being mean. I'm not being condemning yourself. Righteous when I say this, I said, it's because it was my experience. I said, I cannot be a Christian, a confessing Christian that goes to church. I have to know you. And he took me serious. He began to inspire me and lead me and open my eyes, and he led me into this most beautiful relationship and intimacy that transformed me forever. Is this the joy ride and joy. I look back, it's like a dream, but it's not. It's 20 years ago, and it seems like yesterday it's so fresh and alive. It's been a blur. It's like a dream, but it's so amazing. He said to me a couple of years ago during a worship service, "I fell apart." He said, "Do you know why you live the way you do?" And I knew what he meant. He meant consistent, waking up the way I am every day, not fighting and struggling to get a clear mind. Just, I just see. I just see, and I went. Because you're amazing, you're merciful, you're loving, you're kind. And it's like he chuckled and said, that's not the answer I was looking for. And I'm thinking, that's the only answer. He said, no, Dan. He said, the reason you live the way you do is because that night when I saved you, when you got saved, you were sin conscious for a moment. And ever since that moment, you've been a son in your heart. And now everything you say I am has a place to land in your life. Did you get that? You better believe God's merciful, but you let let His mercy come upon you. You better believe He's a God of forgiveness, but you must receive His forgiveness. You better bet He's a God of all grace, but you position yourself to let Him do a work in you. (laughs) We're the landing strip, and we position our heart and say yes, and He comes and lands in us. He said, do you know why? You? Yes, Lord, because your grace is sufficient. You're amazing. You're merciful. You're loving. You're kind. I heard the Lord chuckle him my heart. He said, that's not the answer I'm looking for. I'm thinking, what's this voice I'm hearing? Because it's the only answer. It's a good place for me to be. It's called humility without you trying to say you're humble. You just see it in the moment. And, and he says, no, no, no. You're not sin conscious, Dan. Just for a moment, you've been mine. Loved. Forgiven, ever since that moment. Never think any other way. Do you think I walked completely, absolutely perfect since that day? Do you think God grew me along the way? Do you think I made some mistakes? I promise you they weren't willful, but I sure bumped into a few. I found my heart angry at the own congregation. My own congregation I was pastoring, I found myself frustrated. God showed it to me, I didn't even know it. I was preaching to them out of frustration because I felt like they were selfish and didn't appreciate the righteousness of God. I felt like all they wanted is a favor from the Lord. Their stake done well. And it was giving me an attitude and it started coming out in my preaching. So I started praying to go to the mission field. And God said, the only reason you're praying to go to the mission field is because there's frustration in your heart and it's motivating the desire. It's not my spirit. Stop it. You know how many people start works in the Lord from frustration, disappointment, and judgment towards others? Yeah. I'm going to read this and I'm going to pray. Thanks back there, Miss Patty. I just got you on eternal play button. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're awesome. <laughs> See, Annie used to get back here and help me. She probably said, Patty, <laughs> help me out this year. I'm still tired from last year. <laughs> I'll step in next year. <laughs> I just need a little more rest. <laughs> they play so amazing, it just feels right preaching when they're playing. It's like you feel like you have to even come up with something to say just because it's the background's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to read Romans 6 and It'll make sense. Remember, you were only sin conscious on the night you were saved for a moment. You saw your need for me. You saw your need for change. Who in this room has recognized the need for change in their life at some point along the way? Honestly, you really honestly knew there was some in your life that you knew God wanted to change. Okay, good. Now watch. He's saying, as soon as that takes place, you give your heart to Him, you say, whoa. This isn't who I'm created to be. This isn't who I desire to be. I want change in this. God, I don't accept this. This is no longer acceptable. This is not my desire. And you, you, you aggressively acknowledge that in prayer and you start thanking Him for what's true. You flip that thing into righteousness and take that lie and turn it and, and look at what the truth would look like. So, with that anger, that judgment, that frustration, I was mad at a bunch of pastors one time and I was judging them in my heart. And, and I was saying it was the Holy Spirit grieved by them, being super spiritual, like, oh, Holy Spirit's grieved. So you cry all afternoon. Holy Spirit's a little bigger than that. He's not crying all afternoon because of those pastors. That's you crying because you're disappointed. But you spiritualize it and say it's Holy Spirit crying. <laughs> He's a little bigger than that. <laughs> and one day I was going to pray for them from that place. And I got up from crying and I had my spiritual voice on my intercession jacket. I said, Father, I lift these pastors before your throne. <laughs> I was all by myself in a room. I lift these pastors before Your throne. See, that makes it powerful and official. Now I'm an intercessor, right? And I think, and he goes, shh, and I go, I mean, I had never got shuddered by God like that. And I'm crying now. I'm crying again. And he said, Dan. You're only going to pray about them because you've located what's wrong. If I let you pray from that place, it won't be long till something's very wrong with you. And I fell to the floor and cried for a long time and realized how vulnerable I am apart from his wisdom. That I was trained by life to be angry and disappointed and frustrated. I was homeschooled in the wrong home with false teachers, false wisdom. And the way that seemed right to a man was still trying to eat my lunch and live through me. And I cried and I cried. It was one of them God moments we can all have all the time. And I didn't get condemned and I didn't get judged. I ended up on my knees and I asked him to flood me with his heart and take these weaknesses out of me and raised me up to be the man of God. He's created me to be. I look through his eyes and I didn't want to be frustrated with another human being again. I didn't want to be hurt by another human being. And I began to declare that it was possible and believe that he was doing it in me. And man, one mistake after another mistake, he brought me into a place where I'm being real to you. You don't have to believe me. Time will tell. I'm telling the truth. I don't even get tempted by that stuff anymore. It is swallowed up in the truth of His love. I don't ever have to try to get over you. I love you. You have no ability to get under my skin. I got new skin. You follow me? I'm going to read this for Patty's sake. (laughs) What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Come on, guys. Don't you turn grace into a permission slip, like a covering from the Lord. Grace is God's power and ability to transform you. It's not something that enables you to stay the same. Grace changes you. So if you preach grace apart from transformation, you'll preach perversion. You don't say, boy, I blew up on my wife last night. It sure is good for the grace of God. No, the grace of God keeps you from blowing up. I didn't find a way to sin and get away with it. I found a way to be free. What God's telling me is He'll make my ways like Him. He'll change everything about me. He'll put Himself in me and He'll work Himself through me. If I yield to him like yielded clay, he'll be the great potter of my life and turn me into the masterpiece of his desire. Come on, guys. Stop selling out to yesterday's identity. Stop saying we're failures waiting to happen. Stop saying, well, yeah, but nobody's perfect. That's a justification to remain that way and never let grace start perfecting you in areas that can change. Well, but everybody's going to have their moments, brother. Why is that our confession? Get that landing strip out of your life and you'd be amazed that plane can't land anymore. Come on. Some of these languages are nothing but justifications to remain the same. They're religious deceptions. And they dull your conscience and take away your God-given ability to repent and walk in the light as He's in the light. And all of a sudden you just sell yourself short and tomorrow's yesterday and yet grace wants to bring change. So what are you going to do? Are you going to continue in sin so grace abound? Certainly not. How shall we watch? See, we did not pray a prayer to go to heaven. We were transformed. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? It's very important for the Christian to understand that when they become a Christian, they're dying to sin. They're dying to its nature, its tendencies, its memory, its stain, its sting. They're dying to everything about it because he was made to be it. God cursed sin in the flesh, and sin shall have no dominion over me. You get it? It's rarely taught at large in the church. What's taught in the church is a humble confession. We're always sinners. We're always going to fail. We're always going to miss it. And we aren't reading our Bibles. He bore your sin and my sin in His body on a tree that we, having died to sin, would live to be found right in the sight of God and by His stripes we are healed. Hebrews 10 says, if the old covenant was sufficient, the worshipers once purified would have no more consciousness of sin. And it says he took away the first and imparted the second. And through this one sacrifice, we've been perfected forever. What he's saying is the goal is no more consciousness of sin so we can produce righteous fruit. We're not trying to get to God. He's come to us and lives inside of us. And now he's made us right before him through one sacrifice. You start where he finished and you'll run well. <laughs> We're not trying to avoid sin. We're wrecking ourselves dead to it. Come on, guys. We can wake up in the morning and commune with God without making a date with God or an an hour appointment. You can wake up in the morning, open your eyes, and teach your heart and soul these truths. You can wake up and say, Father, thank You for today instead of, oh God, it's 6 o'clock. Come on. You can wake up and thank you for today. Thank you for life in Christ. Thank you. Your ways are my ways and you're inside of me. God, I thank you. You see me pure and holy and righteous in your sight. I thank you, God. I'm not trying to measure up. You already measured me up through your Son. I'm not trying to pass. I'm not afraid of failing. You've already accepted me. This is amazing. All that you are lives inside of me. And when you see me, you love me and you see me pure and holy in your sight. I receive it and I rejoice let the world today be touched by this truth come on that sure beats having issues see when you have issues you make it all about you and unless the seed dies and falls to the ground it abides alone it will never reproduce anything it's just alone and alone is a sad day certainly not how shall we who died to sin live in or do you not know some of us don't know this that's why he's writing it As many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should be in the newness of life, walking in the newness of life. If we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Die, live. Die, live. Knowing this, Our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin would be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Come on. He who has died. What's he talking about? You die to what? Yourself. You die to yourself. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek these things which are above and not the things of the earth. Set your mind on things above. For you died. And your life is hidden in Christ with God. Our old man was crucified with Him. It says, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. Likewise, you reckon yourselves dead Indeed to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. That's your prayer life, that's your communion, your members unto righteousness. Sin shall never have dominion over you because you're not under the law, you're under grace. listen. What shall we say then? Since we're not under law and grace, should we just keep on sinning? Of course not. Do you not know that whom you present yourself a slave to obey? When you keep boasting in your ability to sin, you make yourself a slave to something you're not created for. It's not a humble confession. It's a deception. Read your Bible. You're free from sin four times in this chapter, he says. He says. Let's stop thinking it's heresy and blasphemy. Let's stop thinking the act of sin is our identity as a sinner. Because if you get humble about what I'm preaching tonight, the character and the integrity will raise so high in your life that the last thing you'll want to do is live outside of the nature of God. And if you find yourself anywhere near what's considered the flesh, you'll see it immediately and you'll run to Him and you'll let Him make you wiser, sharper and wash you clean and you'll know Him more and you'll be changed. Yeah? Anything else is called condemnation, guilt and shame or denial. Or do you not know to whom you present yourself a slave to obey, you're that one slave whom you obey, whether it's sin leading to death or obedience to righteousness. Here's the truth something's going to identify you. Let's let it be King Jesus. For God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart. Here's our word for tonight. This is probably why I'm reading this right here. But God be thanked that though you were a slave to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set, here we go again, and having been set free from sin. Well, brother, you're always going to sin. You're missing the whole point. You keep that identity, you'll be very conscious of sin and you'll be more prone to fail. You get into what he's preaching, you might be amazed how righteousness keeps you and how grace transforms you. You might be amazed that you're not as much sin waiting to happen as you've been sold to believe. You might be amazed that you can actually walk in the Spirit of God and not fulfill the lust of the flesh if you keep your eyes on Him. You might be amazed that you can actually live pure and the pure in heart shall see God. Man, we've believed the lie. Having been set free from sin, you've become slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as a slave to uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were a slave to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things which you're now ashamed? The end of those things is death. This is so powerful. But now having been set here we go again, now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I know Miss Patty's been playing a long time. I'm going to pray over you guys. There's a couple of things on my heart I want you to do. Man, if you're if you're carrying things in your heart that you know when I'm preaching you just know those things that are in your heart are the total opposite of what I'm preaching, please don't do yourself the injustice. I wouldn't even ask to know who you are. It's be, that's between you and Jesus. You already know what it is. Do yourself the biggest favor and love yourself like he would and deal with that when we pray and just say God, I'm letting that go. You got issues, you got people in your heart that you're holding accountable. You're mad at somebody. Man, come on, you're robbing yourself. They might not even know you're mad. They might have had a great day today. <laughs> and you're mad at them. They might have actually had a great day. So you're really not winning. Come on. But when I pray tonight, I want to believe for a grace that just makes us more and more like Him and it causes us to become love. I, ah. Uh, sorry, he challenges me now and then, and i I, uh. <laughs> I, I haven't done this for two years. I don't have a lot of altar calls. I just preach truth and believe truth makes us free, and I give people a chance to go home in truth and seek God's heart. Sometimes altar calls distract from everything that was said. Because we, we're ministry minded and truth makes you free, not ministry. But I, I feel in my heart there could be someone here or several here that you hear what I'm saying, you, you want it, and you just feel like it hasn't been that way for so long, and you feel like you've tried to commune with God, and you just, and I'm telling you, it's still a lie. You can, but you actually believe you're just going to go out of here and things are going to be the same, and you're going to cycle into whatever, and, and there might be a repetitive action, something you give yourself to that just condemns you, and yet your heart hears what I'm saying, and you cry at night, and it's a healthy cry, but it's kind of an unhealthy cry because it's judging you in the long run, and your heart cares, but you don't have an answer because you think you can't change. If there's anybody that fits that description tonight as I'm praying and we end up standing up and I close this thing and I need you to make your way up here and I'm going to pray with you and I'm telling you there's more than hope for you. I don't care if it's been 15 years and you've tried to stop a thousand times. You be humble, that thing can change tonight. I don't have these altar calls too much and that's why I went, ugh. I felt like, Dah. sometimes I feel like we empower things the way we do altar calls. But I'm telling you the reason we would do this is because God's saying it's not who you are. And if you care enough to want that change and you're going to try to cry yourself to sleep and that hasn't been work and then your heart's pure, your conscience is just defiled and God wants to make things right. So if you feel like that's you and you're just going to say, Man, I want this, but I, you, you almost feel like you gave up on hope on yourself. Not God, on yourself. I want to pray for you tonight. You hear me? There's a couple of folks in here that know what I'm saying, or I wouldn't be taking the time. I don't want you to leave in here believing a lie. I want you to leave in here changed, okay? There's a lot we can do. We can pray for the sick, we can do a lot, but tonight I want you to leave on this word. If you're not born again, come on up here tonight as, as I have you stand up and we pray. And just come up here and say, Dan, I, I have never been saved. And I want to I die tonight. I don't want to give my life to Jesus. I, I, I don't want it to be all about me anymore. I mean, come on, how's that working for you? Be real. Making it all about you. Do you realize that puts you under the thumb of everybody in your life? Because if they don't treat you the way you expect, then you have attitude. If they don't, fulfill, then you're mad. Or you're, ah, it's horrible. And I lived that way for years. 33 years I lived that way. Don't do that to yourself. So if you're not born again, man, come up here tonight and just say, I want to get saved. And I'll gladly pray with you and we'll work out how to get you baptized as soon as we can. We'll hold you under till the bubbles stop. I've learned if you wait 40 seconds after the bubbles stop, you got them. And when you bring them up, it's new life. So if you don't have the faith to die, we'll make sure it happens for you. And if you don't have faith, don't baptize like that. But if I have faith, leave me alone, man. I'll bring you up. You'll live. <sighs> so when, when I stand you up here tonight, what we're going to pray is an end to sin consciousness. And I want everybody in this room to thank God that He loves them, that He'll never see them for sin. And I want you to purpose in your heart that it's possible. To live in righteousness, and Holy Spirit can walk you through the day. I'm not talking about perfection. Talk talking about purity and letting grace change you as much as possible and never again limiting God. You hear me? You guys good with that? Okay, why don't you stand to your feet? Let's pray this thing. And as I'm praying, if you feel like in your heart you fit that description in, And you've been in this atmosphere before and you just feel like this thing's... I'm telling you, you just feel like this thing has owned you and, and you don't even like yourself and yet you want to change. You make sure you get up here. And we're going to pray with you tonight. Thanks, buddy, for being humble. That's, that's good. What He just did is awesome. Come on, because I'm telling you, you don't have to live in that lie. Your life is worth the blood of Jesus. While we were yet sinners, He sent His Son and shed His blood. He said, do you not know? As many as you were baptized in Christ were buried in His death. We've died to sin. So we're dying to sin once for all. I've learned that some of the purest people live in condemnation. Their hearts are pure. They want to do right and they feel like they're not. So then it takes away from their identity and they find themselves living in weakness and it just keeps cutting into their heart and cutting into their heart. And uh, Jesus doesn't like that because He loves you. I'm telling you, there's grace coming on these people. If you need to join them, do it real quick. But here's why I'm praying for everybody tonight that we reckoning ourselves dead to sin and alive unto God and that we're going to become love. Are you guys in? You're going to be a steward of your heart? You're going to walk out of here believing God loves you? Yes. Never look back, okay? Don't ever look back. I've been saying it for months. We spend our time looking back and we're not Lot's wife, we're his wife. Let's look up from where came our help. Father, I thank You right now for grace in this room. I thank You for the stewardship of heart. I thank You that we can take truth and we can run with it. I thank You that truth makes us free. I thank You, Lord God that Your grace comes and empowers every one of us. Lord God, I pray that You change the view of anyone necessary in this room. I thank You that You take the eyes off of one another and fix our eyes on You and our own hearts. I thank You, Lord God, that You swallow up weakness, that You impart strength, and I'm asking You to heal homes and marriages and family relationships. Take animosity away, God. It hurts everything and helps no one. Take the tension out of marriages. Take the tension out of family relationships, God. Don't let anyone in this room have the ability to hold on to their issue at the cost of everything. You gave up everything so we could receive Your kingdom. Don't let us miss that truth, God. Don't let us get so fixed on being right that we find ourselves way wrong. Teach us to become merciful people And God, I thank You as You change us, the people around us, the people in this town, the people in our communities, the people in our stores, the people at our jobs, without us evangelizing, without us tooting a horn, without us trying to blow a trumpet, people will start getting the point because we're changed. Let love never fail, God. Not from You to us. We already got that. Let love love never fail from us to others. Put a strength in us tonight. Add to everything that's been taught in this house. Confirm out of the mouths of two or more every word that's been ever preached and let it be established this night. Let a strength come into this place, God. And let a change come into our lives that cannot be denied. Father, I thank You there's no tension in marriages. I thank You that tonight, if need be, would be a night of weeping, humility, and repentance. I thank You that tonight would be a night of reconciliation, even in the car, God, even on the way home. If there's anything less than wholeness and blessing, Lord, let things be made right. Let humility be found in the heart of the people. Don't let one wait for another. Let us take responsibility for the conviction and the truth and let us make peace. For blessed are the peacemakers, for these shall be the sons of God. I bless this house in Jesus' name.